Hi, I'm Jim Paolino, CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions and the host of Lodestar's Landing Leaders. On this podcast, we bring in thought leaders from across the real estate industry and occasionally outside of it to have conversations that are insightful, interesting, and impactful. Let's get started. Welcome to Lodestar Lending Leaders. Today, we have a great guest, a good friend of mine and business partner, Richard Douglas. Uh, We work together on our Mortgage Sentinel brand. Uh, However, you're going to hear a lot about uh, Richard's experiences that goes well beyond the mortgage industry, um, especially in secret shopping, which is something we're going to talk about quite a bit, and even with a fun little twist uh, here at the end. So, um, Richard, thanks so much for coming on. I think my first question, and we get asked this all the time, and I'm sure you do, is what the hell is mystery shopping? Mystery shopping. Good question. Yeah. Um, well, basically, mystery shopping is where we pose as somebody mm-hmm. in your industry or mm-hmm. looking to interact with your industry uh, as a believable shopper, somebody interested in your product or service. Mm-hmm. And we go in and we report back on how your uh, staff uh, employees are handling a potential customer, uh, whether they're uh, customer service, their business protocol, and if there's any sort of regulations that they should be mm-hmm. adhering to, if they're violating them or not. And then we give you an overview report on how they've done. Mm-hmm. It seems, I know for me, I think the people most get think secret shopping has to do with the hospitality industry, right? Someone goes into a restaurant that works for the greater restaurant group or something else, keeps notes, has a timer or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously that, that can make sense for that restaurant, but what are, what, what are the benefits if it's, you know, beyond something like that, where it's not like, Oh, my chicken was overcooked. Well, (laughs) it could be that your chicken's overcooked. That's another story. I think, uh, you know, basically it's for, it's really for businesses seeing how, uh, whether they're following the company's, you know, protocol, whether they're doing things the way they've been designed to. So you may have a huge amount of people that are customer facing and you want to make sure that, you know, like in restaurants, how they serve you, but we're doing you know, massive amounts of shops, you know, hundreds to thousands of shops. So you can have, um, you know, significant results and you can have data that can be analyzed. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's really the idea. And you really want to see, are there violations? Are there, Mm -hmm. you know, the business protocols I mentioned, customer service, you know, the hospitality, it's, it's a lot softer, you know, you can just walk in, order a meal and, or if you go into right. a grocery store and look and see, you know, is my soap on the third shelf rather than the second shelf, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it, it's not as detailed as what we're doing here. Right. I mean, you're talking education, um, healthcare in some cases, finance, and these are right. industries, not unlike mortgage that is heavily regulated and, you know, someone accidentally disclosing private medical information is a lot different than putting the soap on the wrong tray. And the other thing is you have to be, it's a way more sophisticated process because mm-hmm. you have to really be prepared mm-hmm. to go in with the right data and mm-hmm. perform as somebody that's interested in let's yeah. getting a loan. You have to know the details. You have to understand the marketplace, mm-hmm. to understand the cost of the homes there. Yeah. You have to understand what a potential borrower would ask. Mm-hmm. So how how did you get involved? You've been in secret shopping now. I always like to like 20 plus years, right? I, I always yes. 
Um, so how did you get into this industry in the first place? Well, it was very interesting about, you know, so 20 plus years ago, we had a client who was in the education industry and they were very concerned that their uh, representatives were saying things that were illegal, promising outcomes from the school that, that were not realistic, that you could go in and get a job at a cosmetology school, graduate mm -hmm. and make $100,000 a year mm -hmm. right away. You know, it just wasn't realistic. And so they were concerned and they thought things were happening, but they didn't know how to approach it. And so we devised a method with them to come in and actually go into their schools and talk to people and report the data. And then we would get on the phone and we would call and we would ask questions and we would have a background of why we wanted to mm. you know, go into this. And then as it went along, we started to be able to report in-person conversations as well. So the client would come back and say, you know, I wanna see, are they actually saying that in person? They say they're not saying that. And you said they were, and then we'd record them and say they were saying that. So a lot of it was they were concerned that their representatives were doing something that was getting into a gray area. And as it moved along, with the different administrations that came in, they started to clamp down on that. So they wanted to be careful that they weren't getting themselves into trouble. But the mm -hmm. other thing is they also wanted to make sure that the people were doing their job properly, just yeah. following typical protocol when somebody came in and had questions. Mm -hmm. And it seems, you know, we always talk a lot about the gutcha moments, right? And that's, yeah. that's I think, the, you know, the, the, the sexy aspect of secret shopping, of getting someone, like, doing something completely wrong, finding out about it, and right. protecting a, a mistake before it really blows up in someone's face. But I feel like that is just not really the benefit that people get from this sort of thing. I think it's more about, you know, I guess talk a little bit about how you can see trends overall and how people should be looking at anyone at their company that's interfacing with a potential customer. You know, I think that's a good point. It's, yeah. you know, in some ways, when you catch somebody doing something really horrible, yeah. I feel terrible that I have to report right. that. I, I yeah. feel terrible and I feel badly for the company because yeah. I'm sure they've spent time training and right. trying to get people yeah. to do the right thing. And there's somebody there that's going to ruin the reputation. But generally what I really like to see, which is really fun is when, mm -hmm you know, you have people that are sort of following what they're supposed to do mm -hmm. and they're not really doing it that well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you make your fifth, 10th, whatever it is call. And suddenly somebody does a great job and you're like, that's the way they're supposed to do it. Yeah. Clearly the company has trained people. Clearly mm -hmm. this person has listened yeah. to all the training and followed it and they're great. So you realize that you know, the company's trying its best. It's not that everybody's really following yeah. what they're supposed to do. And when you see that, there's a good feeling for me, which tells me that the company is operating in good faith. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you might have a few bad actors or people that just don't think it's important. Yeah. It I, I, for me yeah. as a manager, I always like seeing, I had a, this conversation with an employee yesterday of, uh, I even said the hard part of your, of the job that you have is what you're good at. Right. The things that we're working now are easy fixes. So it's very nice when you can have a conversation or see that, especially with clients that we have of like, hey, you know, you're doing this 80 percent right. But let's just make these few tweaks and go from there. And that last 20 percent can double productivity, triple productivity with what, what, what I know we've seen. 
Right. And I also think that some of the folks that are doing that good of a job and it's just a, you know, a small amount that they have to correct yeah. are really excited to correct it because yeah, they yeah. want to do a good job yeah. and they know if they do a good job, they'll, you know, the more business they do and the better they feel about their job and the better, mm -hmm. the, you know, the managers feel about them and it just becomes a win-win for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's always the goal. And so, when we started working together, you had been in other regulated industries, yes. um, but coming into the mortgage industry over the last the last year plus, um, what have been kind of your key takeaways, I guess? What things have you found different, interesting, unusual, good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be about kind of entering this space? Well, it's interesting. So you have you know, we've come in and we've said it's all about compliance. You know, we want to make sure nobody's, you know, breaking the wall and doing anything wrong. And actually, when you go back, you, you, you might see people going to some gray areas. But the real yeah. issue is it's the customer service, the company protocol, the inconsistency, the, the folks just really not taking the time because they have so much business now. They're not, you know, really working the, the product, the services that the company offers. They're not consistent in follow-ups. The, mm -hmm. the, um, the customer service aspect of how long you're on hold, how quickly you get a call back, it's sort of fallen to the wayside. It seems like they're operating more on an order taker level. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's going to, at some point, it's going to come home to roost. You really have to have a consistency. And, you know, with some of the clients that we've dealt with, they came in with, like you said, the gotcha moment, and it ended up being everything else that they were concerned about. Like, I can't believe they didn't call you back. You know, I can't believe mm -hmm. they didn't talk about the service. Why did they bring you into that product? You know, so right. that's what we're saying. And it's more about really creating efficiencies with the business and having mm -hmm. people more successful. And that's where it's really pushing the business. Of course, you don't want people to be non-compliant, right. but that's the big picture. And how do you see companies both in mortgage throughout kind of, there's the classic battle of, is this a relationship business? Is this a transactional business? How do we balance that, right? I, I like nothing more than listening to our calls and hearings a loan officer ask, what's your goal for this purchase? Like, right. why are you doing this? Like, tell me about, you know, where you're at in your life. And it doesn't take long. So right. how do you see kind of people doing that without having, you know, half an hour phone calls? Well, I think it's, I think your point's well taken. I mean, clearly there's a transactional aspect to it, obviously. And, but, you know, in some levels, it's a commodity because you can call up the next company and right. pretty much get the same rates, you know, or same. Yeah. So I think there's got to be a level and what we do with most of our clients in other industries is we say, you should ask at least two open-ended questions mm -hmm. just to get some sense of rapport building yeah. and for the person to think like, you know, I like to work with that person. They cared about my needs and my goals. Mm -hmm. It may not really affect much. It may be that you were going to put them into the same product to begin with, mm -hmm. and they were going to get the same rates and the same type of service on the back end, but really for the person to feel that I know this person, they care about me. I want to yeah. work with this company. Mm -hmm. And people want to know that. They want to feel good about yeah. who they're working with, especially yeah. with the biggest purchase of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've seen in the past too, more people sometimes ask for the person's credit score than the borrower's name. Um, it's right. always interesting to see 
you know, I get that it's busy right now. <laughs> right. Those types of things happen. But I think the companies that are really successful, the loan officers that are really successful are able to automate the crap out of everything they're doing aside from that personal touch to really leverage their time a little bit yeah. better. And I think that's something that's been been interesting and, and good good to see, hopefully. Um, yeah. one, one thing I'm kind of curious about, because you've worked in you know heavily regulated industries, we talk about this all the time, education, finance, right. um, healthcare. What, what is your view on regulation overall? How do you feel about you know, the, the need for these laws. I, I, I go through this a lot too, because a lot of what we do at Lodestar is because of, of regulation. Right. Well, you know, you don't want predatory lending. You don't want people to get into, you know, a situation they can't handle. They had that with some of these schools where people were spending a hundred thousand dollars to get a degree where mm-hmm. they were making minimum wage. Now, you know, full disclosure, you should know enough to know if you're going for a certain degree, kind of job you're going to get. But if somebody's not telling you the truth about what the outcomes are, then I think if you're misrepresenting your product or service, Mm -hmm. then you should be regulated. But in general, you know, you want to see companies, and I think companies in general want to operate in good faith. They, they don't want to be in trouble. They don't want to have a bad reputation. You have a bad reputation. You don't have a business anymore. You have to change the name of the business. You know, you, you just, that's not the way to operate. Mm-hmm. So, but you do need some regulations to make sure that you don't have, you know, some errant um, employees that mm-hmm. are not telling the truth and misleading people. So there's a delicate balance between yeah. the two. I think that I, that comes up a lot on this podcast too, is the, the right thing to do and the thing to do that helps your business. In many right. cases, most of the time, it's the same thing. So exactly. focusing on relationships, treating everyone the same, um, going through that, not only will it help with compliance purposes, but also it just helps your business. So I think that's that's always a pivot that it seems like we try to make of, sure, there's compliance involved, but also this is what you should be doing anyway, right. or this is going to be helpful, or these are the other things that you're, you're going to learn. So, exactly. and, and it seems like you have seen that in other industries too, where, you know, what, um, one, one question, when you look over, you know, the last 20 years, we have the dot-com bubble, uh, we have the great recession, we have COVID. Um, what, what changes have you seen during times of recession and how has that affected those industries, regulations, things of that nature? Well, it depends on, so a lot of times there's this, so you have like a, the crash, right? And yeah. then there's this boom and then people start figuring out, wow, this is where we can make money. So they start focusing on a specific segment of the population for, yeah. let's say it's going back to school because there's money for veterans, mm-hmm. let's say. So you see that kind of um, mentality and then you know, then you see that goes bust and then you bring in regulations to control that so it doesn't happen, you know. But, you know, as I I said before, I really do think that with COVID and these other ways, people are learning to adapt and figuring out, you know, Mm -hmm. how can we close loans? How can we do it online? How can we talk to people on the phone in a better way to make this process smoother? So, Mm -hmm. you know, businesses are really, you know, adaptable, they're able and they're flexible. And when you see that, they 
they thrive. And so I think when, you know, COVID's gone, there's going to be things that are still in place that they now put in for COVID because they adapted and it's more efficient. So I love to see the efficiencies. And seeing that happen post these, these types of big events in other industries, what do you feel is going to happen in the next year or two in the future with the, with the mortgage industry? Well, I actually think that there's going to be after this boom, when things settle down, I think people are going to collect themselves and see exactly, you know, what happened, who have they been lending to, mm-hmm. you know, have they been treating everybody equally? Are they, mm-hmm. you know, making the right decisions for their portfolio? And, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're going to go back and look at where there's opportunity and where there was missed opportunity during this period. But right now, <laughs> It's so busy that I don't think they're thinking about that as much, but I know they will because they're thinking, yeah. where are we missing these opportunities? Because they're going to have to right. evaluate it at some point. Yeah. And the thing I, I find really interesting about secret shopping and kind of looking at that consumer to company interaction is it's where the rubber meets the road. And there's plenty of data driven industries in the mortgage industry, people are automating anything that they can, right. um, collecting data every step of the way. But at the end of the day, someone has to talk to the borrower and have that conversation because this is, and quite frankly, I think always will be a relationship business. So and how do you see companies balance data versus actually having to do kind of the, the well, soft I think skills? That's, I think that's yeah. really a good question. So where I really feel that mystery shopping is so effective is that it's preemptive you know you're really looking at what happens what people are doing before it goes awry and when you have decentralized you know businesses with you know you have different um, satellite offices all over the country you have people acting in all different kinds of ways there's so much variability and so to be able to measure that and to really see what's happening up front. You know, it's one thing to post analysis, go, oh, wow, we only, you know, talk to 30% of this type of person, or we only lent to these types of people or what have you. That's all post analysis and that's great, but the ship sailed. So the idea of mystery shopping and having this continuous feedback loop and really understanding what's happening, you can really make your business way more efficient and, Mm -hmm. you know, really be able to uh, really yeah. be able to be profitable and be able to change course. You don't have to turn around all of a sudden after, you know, looking at six months worth of data and going, right. Oh, is that what we did? Yeah. You know, instead you, you know, what's happening. So you're constantly moving and it's more organic. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's a big advantage. I think that we hear a lot and we're going to, I want you to give an example that's not in the mortgage industry to answer <laughs> this question is our team's doing everything fine. We're, we're good. We're good. Right. Right. I think what, that's what the, happens when you actually go in and have those conversations with with company and see what's happening there of like, oh, we're doing everything fine. And honestly, that usually comes from the salesperson. Well, this is really it's funny because the reason we used to just give reports, this is what happened, this is what took yeah. place. And they'd say, oh, it's great. And we ended up moving forward into recording conversations mm-hmm. because we would say your person promised us X and they mm-hmm. say you're not supposed to promise X. They would never say that. They've been with me for 10 years. Yeah. Nobody promises anything like that. So what we would end up doing is we record the conversation. I mean, we got to, you didn't even meet with that person. What color coat were they wearing? 
I mean, right. it got so crazy because the management, they would defend all their people. Yeah. Like seniors, like the VPs would say, okay, I believe something happened there, but everybody below them would say never happened, never took place. So we started to record phone calls, you know, obviously with yeah. approval and interviews in person. And we'd hear they actually did say that. So it was never a he said, she said, we really got the information. And I think that's where the companies and industry that, that we've worked in stopped saying everything's just fine the way it is. Once they implemented mystery shopping, they were like, we need to have this so yeah. we know what's actually happening. Not what they're telling us that's happening. We're hearing it. And we would point out, and, and there's also, you heard a lot of good things where they asked really good questions and, you know, were informative and, uh, you know, um, built rapports with us. So it's good. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so getting away from secret shopping too, not only do you look like a young Billy Joel, uh, but also, I know you've had my hair. At least I got Al Pacino. Yeah. Now I got Billy Joel. Ah, this is terrible. Richard Dreyfus is a big one too. I know too. But I, hey, there's worse people I compare to. I, uh, I don't even know where I'm at right now with the with the shaved head for comparison stuff. Uh, um, I know you've had a music career over the decades as well. I would love. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even know all that much about it. So I'd love to end on that. Well, um, I lived in Atlanta after I graduated from Emory and I had a band called the Montanas down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a couple songs on the college charts. We got up to 55. Uh, we traveled uh, around the country. We played in CBGBs, all these other clubs. Oh, wow. And we were friends with the Black Crows and the Indigo Girls, Michelle Malone. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, all those people made it. <laughs> And I went back and went back to business school. And then uh, about two years ago, I started recording again with a band called Copper Monks. Mm -hmm. And we put out a record, uh, um, 10 songs on that. You can get that online, any mm -hmm. streaming services. And now we're recording our second record. So record, you can see I've dated myself, but yeah. that's what we're recording. It's okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's either, you know, musician or... Uh... Secret shopping compliance specialist is a really right, natural exactly. transition. We, we, we see that a lot with folks who wind up in this industry one way or another. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. well, that's what we've been doing. But yeah. it's all good, and it's it's interesting. I love it. I love yeah. listening to these calls. I like, uh, yeah, love this industry. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, what the thing I always like to ask people at the end is, you know, a question we ask on our calls is either what keeps you up at night or what gets you going in the morning. I think we've heard about the first. Uh, a, a lot on our call. So I'd love to, you know, end this by saying like, what gets you excited running your business or, you know, anything else? I think, you know, running the business, it's fun because, you know, you listen to calls and you, you get the data. And I really like just the surprises that the data offers. Like, you know, you don't, you might not, you hear a lot of different things. And then all of a yeah. sudden you start crunching the numbers and you see a trend and you say, yeah. wow, that was really cool. I didn't realize that was happening. Yeah. You know, with the smaller companies, they're doing this. And with the larger ones, yeah. they're doing this. Or did you notice this? And, and you start to see patterns. And I love that, mm -hmm. that analysis. Yeah. I love seeing where things are going or where they have been and how you can adjust to them. It's really cool. That's it seems like every client we, we have there becomes a change from us generating ideas to them. And it usually happens after they listen to 
maybe just that first call, if not a few more. And that is always my favorite call of, okay, what about this now? What about this now? When you always see the switch and it's just, it's really Right, and it's funny because when you talk to them the yeah. first time on the phone, you say, well, once we do this, you can do this. And they're like, I, they don't really get it. And the minute yeah. they hear the first couple calls, they're like, oh my God, now I know yeah. what I need to do. Let's do this because it's the testing and it's opening up your you know eyes and ears to what's actually happening. Yeah. And that's really cool. Great. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Lutzer's Lending Leaders will uh, post post some links, post everything out. So appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love to hear from you in our comments or at lendingleaders at lfsoftwaresolutions.com. A very special thanks to Elena Gardner and Brian Rieger, who help produce our episodes each week. See you next time.